Man, I am so glad to be here with all you folks today. We had an absolutely crazy weekend. Friday night, we camped at many islands at Spring River. Had about 25 of our guys go. Some of them, they were signed up, couldn't go. They ended up having to work. Some got sick. And I'm going to tell you, we'll, we're going to really promote this. We're going to do it again next spring and take our teenage boys with us, along with the dads. going to have an awesome time. Always going to have one where we go away just as men of the church because God did a bonding uh, at this weekend among us where some guys came back seeing that God really has given us a privilege to be called together on a team, a bunch of champions, a bunch of mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. Come on, you guys that went. Can I have an amen? It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Two services, one Friday night around the campfire. And brought a message called The Seven Separations of Abraham. Talked about how God had called him to remove himself from his past, from his country, his kindred, his father's house, out of Egypt, away from Lot, lay down Ishmael, even lay down Isaac. God called him to a place of separation in his life that was so desperate that God was wanting to show him whether or not Abraham loved the God of the promise or the promise of God more. Alex came in Saturday morning, did an amazing job on Jacob, laying his head down on a rock. And by the way, I just want to say Friday night, I had my head laid on a rock. Mm. (laughs) Every 20 minutes, a mile-long train came through, blaring at about 125 decibels. And I would turn and try to find some (laughs) place. And I'm laying there going, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for my bed. Thank you, Jesus, for my bed. (laughs) And then a storm blew through. (laughs) And the tent is going like this. (laughs) And Alex and Cody Masker in the tent with me. And I said, Alex, what was I thinking when I suggested this weekend? He said, I don't know. You were out of your mind. (laughs) We got up Saturday morning and... Between those two times together in the Word, we had four new commitments to Jesus Christ. We baptized four guys in the Spring River. Yes, yes. Uh Uh-huh. At 47 degrees, I just want you to know, we baptized these guys. (laughs) They got it, I'm telling you. Oh, man, what an amazing weekend that we had. Um, I just want to, I'll move on quickly, but I just want to say this. Thank you, Jerome Alford and Jack Murphy, who were two captains for us who did an amazing job. I really want to point out one, though. Darren Johnson, dude. Oh, my gosh. Where is he? Where's Darren? I'm so thankful for these three guys. These were kind of the three mighty men this weekend. That was Darren and Jerome and Jack. That was setting up tents. It was coordinating food, and man, we got some stories. It was a, Darren did a shrimp boil. Mm, mama, it's a good thing you weren't there because I'm going to tell you, it was so good. It's the kind of stuff that make you want to slap you, Mama. It was, it was, mm, mercy, mercy. All right, <clears throat> enough of that. I just want to move on, jump in here quickly this morning because I got a couple things that I'm pretty excited about. We started last Sunday and uh, introduced a new series called Audacious. Anybody know what audacity is? You know, usually you, you describe somebody, you know, it's almost uh, comes in kind of a pejorative sense. You just, you hear somebody say, well, he had the audacity. 
I mean, it's just a real gutsy kind of a move. When you think about something that is audacious, we describe it, we define it like this. It is characterized by surprisingly willingness, a surprising willingness to take big, bold risks. Audacity, or if you are audacious, is characterized by doing things that literally can be described as great, big, bold, and risky. Turn to your neighbor and look at him right now and say, you ain't risky enough. God aims for us to be in some risky business. He wants us. Matter of fact, somebody said one time, how do you define, rather, how do you spell faith? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. There's a risk that is involved. And so last week we were talking out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, there was this one dude that was bad to the bone. His name was Benaiah. Benaiah, Benaiah, whichever, depending on if you're from south Jerusalem or not. Benaiah. Uh, dude was bad. I mean, he whooped two of Moabites, two of the Moabites' best men all at the same time. I mean, you talk about a no-holes-barred MMA UFC match take out, open a can of whatever, and then he tears this, these two dudes up. And, and, and that's not even the best one. The, uh, there's a couple more that are coming. You remember the story? He actually takes out an Egyptian who is a giant. He's seven feet tall. Benaiah only has a club. Another translation says a staff. Everybody say a piece of wood. Now, he's got a piece of wood, and the Egyptian has got a spear. Now, how many of you know, oh, Eddie the Oddsmaker is probably laying it about 10 to 1 that the big dude Egyptian is going to win that fight? There's going to be blood in the match, and it's going to be a little Jew. Even though he might be a pretty big guy, Benaiah is a pretty bad dude, they're all counting on the fact that he's probably not going to come out of that match. Well, guess what? The Scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 23 that he fought the Egyptian, took the spear away from him, and killed the dude with his own spear. Man, I love that. I love those kind of Bible stories because I think it helps every one of us as men who might have grown up with a flannel board Jesus in Sunday school. And you had this idea of this guy who's kind of walking around in a dress most of the time, who's pale, who needs a little bit of sun. And he's always got this stupid sheep on his shoulders. Now, I, I don't want to make fun this morning, but I'm going to tell you what. I think the Renaissance painters probably did us more disservice by giving us this picture of a Jesus who was kind of a little bit light in the loafers and he was pale. He needed a good dose of protein. I'm going to tell you, the Jesus that I serve grew up in a carpenter shop, guys, and I believe he had some muscles. I believe he was a real man. I believe he acted like a man. I believe he wasn't playing around. And I, when I read the Bible stories, the biggest thing I want to do is I want to incite something on the inside of men to realize that to be a Christian man doesn't mean you have to lay down your masculinity. But you can be a dude that when you wake up, the devil goes, oh, my God. God, he's awake. Have you hear what I'm saying? I believe that. The best part of that story last week was that he literally chased a lion down into a pit. Two tracks, two sets of tracks, lion paws, man feet going down into a pit. A bloody man emerges. A roaring lion, a screaming man. But when you see as the movie screen pans in, all of a sudden, the blood-tangled hair, the guy's breathing because there's snow on the ground. You can see his breath, but he emerges out of the pit, and he's got a lion around his back. 
I love that. Scripture says that that kind of courage got the attention of King David, and King David made that dude the head of his bodyguard. I mean, you know, he didn't go down to the local Jericho bub, pub, rather, and he didn't grab Guido, but he got Benaiah. And the rest of the story is, is that he didn't just get hired to the job of David's bodyguard because this dude was so bad and so brave and had so much audacious courage, David literally promoted him to be the commander of the whole Israeli army. We talked last week about staring your fears in the face, looking every lion in the mouth, even though the odds are against you, and having some courage in the face of fear. So this morning, in this message, as we kick this one in gear today, number two in this series called Audacious, this one is called Audacious Faith. Everybody say faith. I grew up always, I, I, I always felt like I had to hang out with my African-American brothers and sisters once in a while to get some real church. And I would go visit sometimes on the other side of town or across the tracks or go over to Memphis and hang out at uh, Patterson's place over there. And they get to sing in the choir. Now, now, now in, in white church, it's a choir, but in black church, it's a choir. The choir would start to sing, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. They would say, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Help me now, if you know it. It don't take a whole lot. Just use what you've got. Everybody say faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Come on, help me. One, two, a one, two, three, four, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Mm-hmm. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It don't take a whole lot. It don't take a whole lot. All you got to do is use what you've got. Everybody say faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. And you know what? The black church is known for singing things about 894 times. You just do it over and over and over. And you know what? I believe there's something to that because when you get something down in you by repetition, you start to hear it. And all of a sudden, you know, the scripture says, faith comes by what? And hearing by the, and you start to get that down on the inside of you and you start to meditate that and it starts to kind of marinate, kind of like Darren did with all those Tony's spices and everything he threw into that shrimp boil. I'm going to tell you, I was peeling shrimp and I'm sitting there Friday night and the sweat, it's humid out there on the spring river. And I rubbed my forehead and I said, guys, my forehead is burning. What did you put in that shrimp? I'm, I'm going like this. Everybody say faith. faith. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, we've got a situation here where Joshua has led the children of Israel across the Jordan River. They're already in the promised land, but there are wall cities. There are giants that they're going to have to take out. Now, I don't care how you were taught when you grew up, it is not correct to think that the promised land is a type or a picture of heaven because there are no walled cities there as fortresses or strongholds. There are no giants to kill. When I was growing up, I heard a guy say one time, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to whoop the fire out of the devil. And somebody said, he ain't going to be there. (laughs) You got to realize that. They're still in a conflict. There's a fight. Everybody say, war. War. In the middle of all of this, folks, God raises up a great leader, a young man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua has some audacious faith. He's got some faith that is spelled R-I-S-K. And he's coming up against the Amorite army. 
And I'm going to tell you something. They are giving these boys a crazy match. And they're outnumbered. Amorites against them. They're outnumbering the Israelite army. And God basically had spoken to Joshua and he said, listen, I've got a word for you, Josh. And he said, I'm going to tell you something, man. There's not going to be one man who's going to be able to stand before you in this fight today. Joshua heard that word. He received it into his spirit and the faith of God emerged. Why? Because faith comes by and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Listen this morning as they put this on the screens. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, at that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. Click that button. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since. Hear this. When the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. And all of God's people said. Three things this morning I want to hit with you real quickly. Number one, the first one is the audacity to believe. Everybody say that with me. The audacity to believe. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God, this translation says, Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Another translation says, who diligently seek him. Everybody say, don't quit, don't give up. The scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You're going to have to have some faith. You can't come to him without faith. You, you, he won't hear you without faith. It takes, it's not prayer that changes things. You can pray. And then let me tell you something. There are multitudes of prayers going on all over the world today, right now, in the name of false gods. And they're not being heard. Number one, because they're not being prayed to the one true God. And some that are even being prayed this morning in church today are not being prayed in faith. God will hear them. But sometimes a lot of things don't happen until we learn how to believe God for his promises. Do you have some audacity to believe this morning? Joshua knew that he was set by God to lead a nation that was chosen by God. Can you imagine the kind of confidence that that will produce in you if you know you have a mission and that you have literally been grabbed a hold of, you've been drafted, you have been conscripted for the purpose of carrying out a mission that God is the one who ordered it and put it into place? You talk about taking a big old breath and stretching your chest out into the fullness of all that it is because you can just rear your shoulders back and you can go, hey, listen, there ain't no way this thing is going to fail because God is in it. If God is for us, who? Joshua knew that he was set by God to lead a nation that was chosen by God. He had a word. That morning he had prayed and God had spoken to him and he said, no man will be able to stand before you. Bible says we've already quoted it at least three times, and I do that on purpose. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Joshua had heard the word of the Lord and believed he had, Joshua had believed that God would do what he said he would do. 
After all, this was the, the young apprentice to Moses. I mean, you know, he had seen those 10 plagues sweep through Egypt. He had himself grabbed a hold of the hyssop, that plant that springs out of the wall, and he dipped it into the blood of the lamb, and he'd struck the lintel of those doorposts, three crosses over the family and friends of some of those little widows that were Israelite women that had been under the slavery and the bondage of Pharaoh. Four generations, 400 years, God had promised Abraham before that he would bring a nation of people that would lead and possess the land of their promise. They had been in captivity for 400 years. And the Bible says God was waiting until the cup of the Amorites was full. And then he was going to take Israel out of Egypt. God had planned for them to have about a two-week journey through the wilderness and march on into the promised land that was theirs. But because of the unbelief of about 10 tribal leaders... They had taken a 40-day trek into the promised land and they had seen the amazing blessing of God that God had said there's milk and honey flowing in this place and there's copper in those hills and and, and the blessing of God is going to go before you and I will cause you to possess that land. And you know what happened like men do sometimes? Instead of just trusting the God of heaven who said he was going to give it to them, they decided that they would run a feasibility study to see if they could do it in their own strength. And I I, I just want to say to you this morning, Dot, I I, want to say to you, Corey, today, different ones of you that are sitting in the room, if you don't have a vision that is beyond your ability to bring it to pass, I want to tell you, I'm saying this to myself, to everybody in this room, if the vision for your life is not bigger than what you can do in your own strength, it is insulting to God. Because he has a dream for you that is bigger than you can even begin to ask or imagine. When God looks at you, he thinks in terms that would blow your little pea-sized mind. Come on, somebody, help me just a little bit this morning in this place. Look at your neighbor and say, our God is big. I I need a Barry White voice. Big. Our God is so audacious, and he is so big. You know what? He is not moved by a 200,000-man army. He, he, he caused Joshua to be raised under Moses. He was standing there that day when Charlton Heston took that rod and put it in the water. I mean, Moses put it in the water. Don't you know, when you meet Moses, don't you know he's got to look like Charlton Heston? Probably won't. Isn't it amazing how you get that stuff in your head? <laughs> That's Moses. You know, it'll even be a greater testimony to how great God was. Are you hearing me? So Joshua's watching Moses the day that they're standing out there and they have the, 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 the Egyptian chariots and the horsemen are hot on their tail. And, and uh, you know, all the rejoicing that, that's going on among the Hebrews because basically the Bible says they went up out of Egypt with the riches and the wealth of Egypt on their back. They got 400 years back wages given to them. And man, they were throwing a party and they were having a good time until they came down there to the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh's horses and chariots, hot on their tail. And all of a sudden, the praise sort of just began to kind of 
disappeared when they turned around and saw the cloud of smoke. But yet between them, there was the pillar of fire keeping them and protecting them. And, and Joshua was standing there that day when Moses took the rod and he said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he put the rod down into the water. And God opened up the watery hinges of the Red Sea. Three million Jews marched across on dry land. And he held it open just long enough, that last little bitty widow woman who was 93 years old trying to get across. Somebody's dragging her with a little Yorkie Terrier nipping at her feet. It was a Jewish one, of course. <laughs> so they finally get them all across, and man, right slap in the middle of the riverbed. It looks like the, the, the Egyptians are going to take them, and then God decides he's going to let that spring door, that, that, that screen door that's got a spring on it, bam, it slams shut, and he drowns every one of those Egyptians. Joshua was there that day. He knew that the God of heaven could move heaven and earth. He could, he could arrest the laws of nature and do something that nobody had ever seen before. So Joshua calls on the name of the God of heaven and he does something that absolutely defies science. He does something that would, would absolutely curl the mind of Stephen Hawking. That, that would, it cannot be examined in a classroom. That, that God would, in one moment, by his decree, by his divine fiat, he would speak from heaven. And the, the way, the laws that all of the universe are being held together, the solar system in which this whole thing works, God stops the sun in the sky and it stays there for a whole day. Because a guy has enough faith, he has an audacity on the inside of him. He says, we're about to win this battle and I can't quit because the sun is going to go down. Now, folks, that is a crazy prayer. Everybody say, crazy faith. Now, you know what? I'm a little bit over the, uh, over the top this morning in my presentation because I'm trying to get your attention. God is not afraid of your crazy faith. God, I think, revels in the fact of putting us in circumstances where we can't figure it out ourselves so that we will put our trust in him so that he will show out. And nobody can say that we were able to do it, but only the God of heaven was able to accomplish it. Come on, we've got a God who is so big. He shows himself to Abraham and he says, Abe, look up, man. Look at the stars. Millions. Count them. Can you fathom? Abraham, I want you to get a snapshot of this. I want you to be able to pull this up on your middle screen again because I'm trying to put something down on the inside of you to plant a seed in your heart so that when I tell you again and again, you don't know it, Abraham. You think you're going to have it this next year, but it's going to take 25 years before this promise comes to pass, and I give you this promised seed, and I'm going to see if you can walk in that kind of enduring, audacious faith, Abraham. Because I want you to get a good picture. Because as many of those stars as there are in the heavens, I'm going to cause your seed to be multiplied. Abraham, I want you to look over the sands of the sea. See if you can count those grains. Abraham, get a picture and look down to the dust of the earth and see if you can count the, the, the little pieces of dust that are on this planet. Because I'm telling you, your seed is going to be an innumerable company. Abraham had a name change. It was audacious. It was bold. It was risky. He goes down to the local watering hole one day and he says, Boys, you know, I, uh, I've had a revelation of God. <clears throat> what did he say? Uh, don't call me Abram anymore. I'm changing my name. Abraham is delusional. He has been hitting that stuff out of that bad batch of grapes. Alzheimer's is setting in on him. Shh, shh, shh. Just, just, just humor him. 
Don't call me Abram anymore. Call me Abraham. And they're all laughing because Abraham means father of many nations. He's, he's getting close to 80 years old. And God says, I want you to stop letting them call you Abram. But I want you to call them, have them call you Abraham. And his, that, 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 that name means father of many nations. And this guy's 80 and he's not had a kid yet. He hoped against hope. The Bible says he didn't stagger at the promise of God, but he believed that what God has promised, he was also able to perform it. I tried to bring this home to the men Friday night in a message that I preached on Abraham. And I said, guys, let me just say this. Anymore, no matter who's preaching, you listen to it on the, on the TV or the radio or a CD or whatever, a DVD, especially at Victory, if you don't hear somebody connecting the greatness and the bigness of the God we serve, connecting that to the greatness of the call that this big God has called you to do individually and with this team, I want you just to discount it. Count it as heresy. Because this big God is dreaming big dreams for you. He is dreaming big thoughts. He has huge, audacious, bodacious plans for your life. We must connect the bigness of God to the bigness of the calling that he has upon us. So we have to be, first of all, audacious enough to believe. Secondly, this morning, moving on, I want to ask you if you have enough audacity to ask. Everybody say, audacity to ask. Joshua knows that he's called and he knows that he's chosen and he's been given a word from God that he's going to lead that nation to victory. And I just want you to know this this morning. When you know that you are slap in the middle of the will of God, you can ask boldly. You can ask whatever you will. As long as it is for the purpose and the motivation of carrying out the huge God-sized plans in your life. We're not talking about, you know, you know God give me a gold-plated Bentley or something like that. I'm not talking about that kind of foolishness. I'm not talking about this hyper-materialistic kind of Americanized gospel. I'm talking about a real gospel that is about advancing the kingdom of God. It has dealt with and it's taken selfishness to the cross. And it's crucified that junk. And now because our heart is for him and to advance his kingdom, when we see a son of Abraham, if we see a brother or sister... When I talk about a son of Abraham, I'm not talking about a literal natural Jew. I'm talking about a brother in the faith, a covenant brother. Let me tell you, Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and the heirs according to the promise. And what that means is that everything God promised Abraham, it is now yours and mine in Christ. Come on, somebody. I am not looking at a room full of no good losers. I'm looking at a room full of champions that God knew before the foundation of the world. He knew you would be born in this day, in this time. Some of you wonder why in the world you were born into the family you were born in. Some of you feel out of place and you wonder how in the world, what God had in mind when he set you down in this burg that we live in. Who really ever comes to West Memphis on purpose? This is just not on the radar of most church planters to build a great church for the kingdom of God. I don't want to hurt your feelings. If anybody has the right to talk like that, I do because I was born here, graduated from West Memphis High School. I know the junk. I know the giants. I know the walled cities, the stinking racism, the mediocrity. Come on, somebody. 
And I want to... I want to tell you this morning, we don't have to sit around here hoping some glad morning when this life is over that it'll all be taken care of. No, we have to get up off of our inactivity and we have to put our hope into action and we have to be audacious enough to believe that the God who promised us that he would cause his kingdom to be advanced in the delta and then we have to get bold enough to ask... Joshua knows he's called to lead the chosen nation to victory. When you know that you're slap in the middle of God's will, you can ask boldly, audaciously. Put up the scripture, if you would, please. Mark chapter 11, verses 23, 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Everybody say believes. That's it right there. You've got to be audacious enough to believe. But believes that what he says. Everybody say says. That's where you ask right there. Believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you what? Ask. Come on, everybody say, ask audaciously. Say it again, ask audaciously. Therefore, I tell you, whatever. No conditions, no contingencies, no stipulations. Do, do, do your Bible say Whatever. Huh? My Bible says whatever. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. The disciples grew up watching Jesus command the natural world. He asked him one day about some bread, and Philip goes, it is about 20,000 folks out here, and we ain't got but about a buck and a quarter. <laughs> um, a McDonald's is closed for the weekend. It's the Sabbath. No, wait a minute. That would be Chick-fil-A. Okay. <laughs> and they find a little boy with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, here, hand it to me. And he, he breaks off the fish. And the head on that one grows a tail. And the tail on that one grows a head. And he just keeps touching it and breaking it. And the whole point is that whatever you have, with little will become much if you'll put it in the hands of Jesus. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Five loaves, two fishes, and Jesus with that throws the biggest fish cooking, fish fry, fish and chips day, all-you-can-eat buffet that ever happened in the history. 5,000 men, those were the days they were a little chauvinistic. They didn't count the women and the children. It was only the men they counted. So we know there's about 20,000 folks out there enjoying fish and chips. Go back, let me get some more. One of my places that I frequent in Memphis, 2nd Street down there at Flying Fish. Wednesdays is all you can eat. It's Jesus Day at Flying Fish. It's all you can eat, catfish. And I wear my larger jeans when I go. These disciples grow up and they regularly see Jesus defying the laws of nature. The winds are whipping. The boat is rocking. The disciples are fearful. <laughs> this... This what they think is a ghost comes walking up on the waters. Jesus gets in the boat with them and he speaks to the wind. He says, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves obey him. One day, Peter responds and he says, get away from me. I am sinful. After a crazy catch of fish got dumped into his boat. Peter had been fishing his whole life. How many of you know God's not impressed with your credentials? 
He's not impressed with the, that, that huge big thing you were able to build. Because these guys had been, been career-long fishermen. And they're out there fishing all night one time. And Jesus comes, gets in the boat with him. And he says, guys, if you'll just throw your net on the other side of the boat, you'll catch. And Peter's going, okay. Whatever you say, Lord. Now he's going, now wait a minute. Didn't you grow up in the carpenter shop? And you, you might do some pretty amazing things, you know, with... Uh, I know you got that new channel now where you can do, you know, uh, home, home decorating and all that. You, you know, you can do some amazing stuff with wood, Jesus. You, you, you might be able to put some timbers and some beams together, but I'm the fisherman. I mean, you know, Peter probably had those thoughts. You know what? If you could just learn to read the Bible with a little bit of imagination, it's amazing how crazy interesting this thing comes alive. Don't even look at me like that. You know Peter thought that. He was a crazy man. Okay, Jesus. They throw the net on the other side of the boat and they start pulling it up. And the nets that had just been reinforced a couple of days before start cracking and breaking and they pull so many fish into the boat. Now, how many of you know that boat wasn't that big that the school was hiding on the other side? <laughs> They've been fishing all night. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It is gorgeous, but it's not like an ocean. I mean, you can see from one side to the other. It's, it's a beautiful place. They're out there on the Galilee Sea. Great big, huge lake is what it is. And Jesus says, throw it on the other side. They obey. Pull it up into the boat. How many of you know Jesus had the ability to command those fish to get in that net? He had the ability to speak to the winds and the waves and to make them stop. Those disciples saw it on a regular basis. Hear this. Your long shot prayers don't intimidate God. Say, ask largely. Listen, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. If you can think it, God's way ahead of you. The NIV says, Beyond all that we can ask or imagine. Come on, give it your best shot. What can you come up with? What, what, is, what do you think is going to be a long shot prayer? Yeah, you, you, all the odds may be stacked against you. You may be looking an Egyptian in the face and all you got is a piece of wood and he's got a spear. Your marriage may be the, the rocking boat on the windy sea of Galilee. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. If you'll put your faith in Jesus in the middle of that storm, if you will dig down deep and you won't give up, Come on, you have me, you may, you, this is when you need a brother, the kind of covenantal relationships that were forged this weekend. Somebody that says, I am not going down with this ship. Strap me to the mast, baby. We're going to ride this storm out and we're going to come through until we see the bright sunshine of God's peace. Above all that you can ask or think. Finally, number three, and I'm finished. You have the audacity to believe. You have the audacity to ask. And thirdly this morning, the audacity to act. Everybody say, act. James chapter 2, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Faith without corresponding action. Action. Act. Faith without works is dead. That means you've got to do something. That means you have to take a step. Peter got stirred in his heart one day. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. He, a lot of times he got his mouth in gear before he, he got his mind connected. 
And he would just blurt things out and say things. But I'm going to tell you, there was an impetuousness and impetuosity about Peter. But there was a raw faith about Peter that I love. And I'm excited about that. I'm going to tell you, there was something one day when he basically said, guys, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm trembling in fear here because I'm, I don't know whether that's a ghost that's walking on that water or not. Jesus, if that's you, call me. Call me, Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, come to me. And he throws his leg over the side of the boat. And it's probably the 11 others that got him by the coattail. Try, Get your butt back in here. You don't know what that is out there. And somehow Peter out numbers the other 11 and says, let go of me. I know that's Jesus out there. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to take a step. And he knows he's in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He's been fishing these waters this whole life. There ain't no hidden stepping stones around for him to step on. And something that defies the laws of nature. Faith was holding him up. Faith in the Son of God that he kept his eyes on. You know the story. When he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the winds and the waves, then he started to sink. Man, that'll preach right there. You in the middle of a storm? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Come on. I don't have time, but I'm going to chase this rabbit anyway. How many of you know it isn't any easier to walk on a lake the day when the wind's not blowing and the waves are clear? Okay, I caught that rabbit fast and killed it. We'll move on. No, for real. Isn't it amazing how all the stuff that really does not matter whether the miracle takes place or not, the wind or the waves regardless, because to God, to the infinite, all of your finites, no matter how huge those finites are, all finites are equal in the eyes of the one who is infinite. So what? There's a little bit of a storm down there. So what? There's a cold front and, and, a, and a warm front emerging and you've got this whole thing and you've got sheet lightning and, and all of this stuff is happening in your life. Get your face off of that stuff and get it on the eyes of Jesus. Whether the lake is calm or whether the lake is choppy, it's still going to take a miracle for you to get out of that boat and walk on that water. All of that other stuff is just a distraction. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Joshua 3, don't turn there. They're about to approach the Jordan River before they go into the promised land. And God brought them up to that river right at flood stage. I mean, it's a crazy flood. And God tells them through Joshua, he says, when you see the priests carrying the ark of the Lord and they walk into the Jordan River, he says, then that's when I want you to break up your camp. And he said, I want you to follow them down. We're gonna, God's going to give us free passage across the Jordan. And you know what happened that day? Those priests got that ark of the Lord and they're standing there at the water. And I imagine the guys that are holding the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord on their shoulders. The priests of God were waiting before they stepped down into... Yeah, that water hadn't quite moved yet. It's sloshing. Okay, Josh, do your stuff, baby. And they, Josh says, go on, guys. They step down into the first step of the water. The water's at their ankles. 
The people of Israel are all watching. Joshua had given his word. He said that day, when you see the priests of the Lord cross the Jordan on dry ground, then follow them over into your promised land. They step there and it's at their ankles and nothing's changed. And Joshua gives them a motion. The priests take another step and another step. And the water's coming up to their knees. And you know what? Sometimes when the miracle you're praying for, you want, it to, you want to step up to that thing and you want to see that water roll back before you, your toe ever swishes a little swirl in the water. But God sometimes says, I want to see how much faith you got. If you can get down into that thing where it's up around your waist. And the priest started to get a little rhythm to them. And they're going down into the water further and further. And I believe it got up to where it was about their neck before God decided he was going to move. And all of a sudden, there's a rumbling in the waters that day. And the water began to, like it did 40 years ago, it started to roll back on its watery hinges. And all the way, the Bible says, up to the city called Adam. Yeah, I'm going to sit down about right there. All the way up to a city called Adam. I don't believe that's coincidence. God knows every limitation. He knows every genetic habit that your great-granddaddy did and your granddaddy did and your daddy did. And you've heard your whole life that this is just the way your people are. And you're going to have to deal with that curse And you know what? When those waters of that Jordan River rolled all the way back to a city called Adam, God said, I'm going to remove the curse of the law of sin and death so that you can be a free man. And as a free man, you can set some other men free. And you don't have to believe that junk that's been spoken over your life, your whole life any longer. You have to be audacious enough to believe, audacious enough to ask, and audacious enough to act. Three things. Everybody say seize. Nobody can take hold of your destiny except you. Become a man of the word. Make a decision today in this place. I am going to seek God. Become a woman of prayer, a woman of faith. Seek the Lord. Get hungry for God. Ask God. Begin to beg God. Cry out and say, God, show out in my life. I give you my life. I lay it down before you. Take my life, oh God, and make something out of it that I can't do in my own ability or my own strength. Number two, activate. Everybody say activate. Ask, the three letters, A-S-K. Ask is ask, seek, and knock. Come on, don't quit. Start crying out to God. Be audacious in your prayers. Ask God for great things. And then finally this morning, and I'm finished, get up. Don't sit there. Don't just let a dream become a fantasy. But get up, motivate, move. A young preacher one time was seeking the direction of God and he asked Dr. Billy Graham a question about a decision in his life for guidance. And Dr. Graham says, well, what are you doing right now? And he said, well, I'm just waiting. I'm not doing anything. Then Dr. Graham says, well, get up and take a step towards something because it's a lot easier to change the direction when something is in motion. You can't pick the car up and nudge it over this way. You have to start driving the car. You move toward door number one in your life. And if you start moving toward it and God puts up a big stop sign, then you begin to move in another direction because God can change your direction when you're moving. But when you're sitting still not doing anything, it becomes very hard to change direction. 
Motivate. Carpe diem, seize the day, seize the promises of God. Get in the word, get hungry for the word of God and believe God is big enough to answer your bodacious prayers. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. I was reading a book and this thing impacted me so much the last two weeks I've not been able to get away with it, away from it. It said the greatest regrets in your life when you truly reach old age will not be because of the things that you did that you shouldn't have done. Your greatest regrets will be because of the things that you wish you had done but you never tried. And I'm calling a congregation of warriors. It's not just about men. There's some mighty women of God in this room. And I'm thankful that God gave these mighty men some mighty women to walk alongside them. You are called to greatness because you serve a God who is the greatest of all. One more time, put your hands together and give him praise. As I close this message this morning, I just want to ask, is there anybody in this room who has some audacious faith? You can't even begin to think about being God's man and his woman apart from knowing his son, Jesus Christ. Is Abby in the room? I need somebody on help me out here. Come on, Greg. You can't even begin to have this kind of life of the blessing and the favor of God where you can even start to think about asking audaciously if you don't have in your heart the peace with God that you need to know. Because if, if your picture is still in the post office of heaven wanted because God is after you. If you've never yet submitted to Jesus Christ and said, I'm yours, I, I know, oh God, you're calling me to be a part of this army of God, to be a part of this purpose called the kingdom. I know, oh God, that you've got something bigger for my life. I was not born to stay in the pit of habit or despair or destruction. I was born. I know there's something on the inside of me. I was naturally born in the world for something more than this, but I can't do it in my own ability. God, I need to be born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except to be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When you were born naturally, your mother's water broke. That was a natural birth. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, right in that very same passage. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when you came into the planet, you had a water birth. You were born naturally. You were born of the flesh. You know what? But you can't see the amazing purpose of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's when the storms are blowing and when you don't have the answers. That's when you need that confidence of that word. I can't do it by myself. I'm not good enough. Because I fall in that category of a son of Adam. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's me. The Bible goes on to say in the book of Romans, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He took my place Every bit of hell and punishment 
Jesus hung on the cross and he took a beat down for me. And he didn't just stop there with the beat down. Relentlessly, audaciously took all of that. But then he gave up the ghost. He released his spirit and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died and he was buried in the ground. And for three days, he's basically down there taking the keys of death and Hades away from Satan and giving him the what for. And he arises on the third morning victorious. And this morning the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You can stay on the path your own and you can keep just storing up wrath for the day of wrath is what the Bible says. And payday's coming. Or you know what you can do? You can get off of that team. You can turn in your resignation at that job because Jesus is calling you this morning. He's, he's got a hiring committee. He's interviewing right now by the Spirit. And he's saying, I want you on my team. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I believe you. You took my place. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10 The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to have your theology right. You don't even have to know exactly about all you have to believe, but one simple thing. Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. That's it. That's all you have to know right there. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved.